Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz here with you on the Believe Podcast Networks. And uh, as we said, don't believe her when she says she doesn't want anything for Christmas. I'm not exactly. buying you a gift and don't buy me one. I'm uh, dealing with that situation right now, <laughs> running out of time. And uh, let's face it, going to have to make a move eventually and uh, face uh, what for me is the worst possible thing they could have presented in front of me on Fear Factor. And that is going to a retail store <laughs> the week of Christmas. within 24 hours of uh, Christmas Eve. All right. But uh, that's a piece of advice out there. Uh, you got to believe that she's not serious when she says, do not buy me any kind of gift. With that, as we set up the holidays for you, uh, I, I do uh, know this uh, from my many years. Now, people think of South Florida and Miami and Fort Lauderdale as a sophisticated, sophisticated international city. Libby, would you agree? Sophisticated yes. international city. That's how they consider but it. But when it comes to football, it is the deep south. <laughs> and, and in many other ways, too. I mean, if you see what's going on in Tallahassee there. Deep South, my friends, and Deep South mentality. And they really get serious about it. And it's uh, never unusual. Uh, you would be one week, what, into the football season, the NFL season. And the first call on a radio talk show here would be, uh, well, what do you think? You think the Dolphins should lose the rest of their games and get the number one pick in the draft? Can we talk about the draft? <laughs> and they're talking about the draft in, like, September. So it's never too soon. I, I learned that, uh, especially if you originate here from uh, South Florida. A pleasure to welcome to the program. And this guy is a qualified draft expert college football expert, NFL analyst, Ryan Roberts, who you can also find on the Believe Podcast Network. And uh, he is uh, an analyst uh, and uh, has uh, the riseanddraft.com website, also SI Now, and uh, his own uh, thing uh, here on Believe and Mav Sports. So well accomplished and with many different platforms, uh, Ryan Roberts joins us here on After Hours. Ryan, great to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely, fellas. Appreciate me on. Uh, it's great having you on, and uh, of course, uh, we're immersed in the middle of the bowl season. Uh, we had uh, a lot of varying opinions on what was going to happen, although we did believe coming out of the shoot that underdogs were going to prevail in most of these games, and they came out and opened up like 7-1 and one against the spread, the uh, underdogs. And uh, lately, we've seen a little bit of a tail off, a reversal in that. Uh, how intense are you and uh, intent are you on the uh, bowl season and uh, have you seen anything definitive that has come out of uh, what we've witnessed so far? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting because I feel like every year we, we now deal with the opt-outs and trying to figure out who's going to be playing in bowls specifically, especially with NIL, obviously, this year. There's a lot of players that are looking out for their best interests, which, you know, especially for teams that aren't making the college football playoffs. I, I don't blame it at all. It's more, you know, I think it's just, I, I'm a traditionalist in a lot of ways, so I love the bowl season just for what it is. You know, every day you 
You can turn on TV and you can watch some football. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not too much, you know, enthralled in, you know, trying to figure out what the landscape is. I'm not betting on the games um, in bowl season, especially with there's so much uncertainty on who's playing, who's not playing, any of that. But, you know, for me, it's just it's it's a nice ending to the season. It's And it's honestly the beginning for when things get really busy for me because now I'm really getting into the final reports and that's kind of where everything is right now but it's it's i mean it's obviously very nice to wake up on a weekday you know being off close to christmas now and being able to just watch football it's it's um a joy to say the least so we're talking with ryan roberts of many areas but he focuses on the draft nfl analyst also big college football follower and you and i uh follow him on twitter at rise and draft you and i went back and forth a little bit when it came to national signing day and you ended up hitting a lot of guys and you were all spot on especially with the marcus freeman hire before it was even really talked about i mean notre dame was supposed to going big fish hunting and you you were hearing things about marcus freeman and then i started talking yep. to some notre dame people and they were all in on marcus freeman he became the head coach and kept a lot of the staff whatever that tells you about brian kelly um we talked with the ac commissioner michael oresco a couple of days ago mm-hmm. uh, about a lot of different things, but we really, we focused on NIL for a little bit there. And he was sort of scared to death as a commissioner about NIL. Um, you as a guy that follows college football really closely, what are your thoughts on NIL? Because I was a little excited about it because I thought it was time for kids to get paid. The problem is there's no rules or regulations really. As we're seeing now, it's sort of evolving by the day. As a guy who follows this mm-hmm. closely, covers it, deals with kids, the coaches, the schools. What are your thoughts on NIL and its future and the future of college athletics. Because I, of I, I think that there's, I think that there's good and there's positive. There's positives and there's negatives to it, just like there is to everything. To be honest, it's because there's, it's there's just such a disconnect between the NCAA and, and you know kind of the hierarchy. Because obviously it is at the top, but what power do they really have over these programs and over these athletes? You know, they're kind of governing themselves to a degree um, when you really think about it. So. I think it's it's going to be all about, in my opinion, how the colleges and these universities structure themselves to help these athletes. I think that that's really the best thing. And I know from a recruiting standpoint, for a lot of high school kids and a lot of kids that were, you know, maybe were entering the portal and then coming back out. The the thing is, like, what do these pro, what how how are these programs willing to help, and how educated are they on helping them? And I know there's some programs that are even thinking about, you know, maybe making courses to, you know, in the future that are better suited to helping these almost like a business side of things for these athletes. And it's a tough sled and there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to it. And there's a, there's a, I think there's this fine line between trying to figure things out because at the end of the day, these high school athletes, it's so easy for them to change scenery. Even once they get to college with what the transfer portal is, that there is, a trust that is going to happen. And we always say like, Oh, you're, you're, you know, you're going to pick this school, not the coaching staff and all that good stuff. But we, but we know in reality that these players are going to play for coaches and they're trying to, you know, get theirs while they can. So, I mean, the Quinn Ewers thing was just crazy. You know, he comes to, he reclassifies to Ohio state, you know, from a junior to, you know, to his graduating senior, he goes there, he plays, I think it was like three plays, four plays or whatever it is. He made $3 million, and now he comes back home into Texas because they're in. Why did he do that? It's because 
Texas didn't have the NIL stuff in place where he could make money off his name image likeness. That's why he left the, uh, left the state of Texas for high school football to begin with. So he played the system, and I think that there is just there is definitely a disconnect between the NCAA and these these colleges and these universities and these players. I think it's more about what colleges step up to the forefront and are honest to their players, and I think that that's kind of how you're going to create a create a relationship and a trust that maybe you keep players a little longer because they know that you have best interest in hand and it's a, it's a tough thing to do. It's not going to be perfect. So, I, I mean, but I do really like the opportunities for these players to make money. I think that with the transfer portal, this movement was going to happen either way. I think it's more than likely now with, with players, again, kind of working for their, their uh, first and foremost, their best interest. But I really do think that it's a it's a long time coming for these players to be able to make money off of their name image likeness because they're not seeing any of the money that are making these universities you know multi million dollar um, multi million dollar um, organizations every single year. So I'm a big fan of it personally. Seem contradictory though. Uh, schools being honest with the players yeah, they're recruiting nice. about what their futures may hold. Uh, Ryan Roberts uh, with us. He's an NFL analyst and also a draft expert. And uh, you can find his work on risendraft.com, SI Now. Also uh, does a podcast like we do on the Believe Podcast Network and Mav Sports as well. Uh, often in the last couple of years, it's been true. There's been a clear-cut number one guy, uh, whoever had the number one pick. Right now, Jacksonville, oddly. And uh, we're, we're big uh, proponents of the idea uh, of reversing the draft order <laughs> and not rewarding futility because it seems the same inept organizations go out and same the you know, make the same mistakes and or ruin a guy who, who is a surefire prospect uh, year after year after year. And it just keeps perpetuating itself. Why, why not reward the teams that actually go out there and are well run and, and are top organizations and uh, let these teams flounder on the bottom until they figure out another way to, to get it done? Maybe hire better executives, coaches, or uh, uh, be better in free agency or developing uh, their own players. But uh, you had Joe Burrow. He, he was a clear-cut number one. Uh, he was going number one no matter what uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, Trevor Lawrence this past year, uh, it, it strikes me that there is no clear-cut number one uh, you know, position player uh, that, that's going to be available in this draft. A lot of names talked about. Uh, what, what do you see happening there at the top? And especially if Jacksonville retains his position, which seems likely, uh, of uh, being in a spot to pick number one, uh, is there any possibility that uh, having seen Lawrence uh, kind of flounder this year that, that they would uh, be willing to uh, either trade that pick or, or draft a quarterback? I, I would say that they're a great tradeback candidate because, like you said, they're they're not in the market for a quarterback with the number one overall pick. And luckily they do have some options, in my opinion, that are kind of close together. You know, we, we talk about the Kayvon Thibodeau's of the world out of Oregon, defensive ends, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, defensive end, Evan Neal out of Alabama, maybe a little further down a Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame just because he's a safety and that can be a little bit undervalued. There's a couple nice corners in this class. There's a lot of offensive linemen. It, it's a it's a good class. It really is. Obviously, the, the troubling thing is, though, is, you know, it's easier said than done to be a tradeback candidate at the top of this class because teams are most likely – to trade up and to panic to figure out the quarterback position. Is there a guy that is suitable and that you would be happy with to mortgage the future potentially as far as draft capital wise and move up to number one? I don't think so right now, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I don't, 
I can't even tell you who would be the first guy because I think no matter who you're talking about, and I've talked to a lot of scouts around the league that have varying orders, and a lot, and a lot of them are very different, very. So there's a lot of question marks to figure out. Is it Matt Corral from Ole Miss? Is it Kenny Pickett from Pitt? Is it Carson Strong from Nevada if his knee checks out? I think there's a lot of guys that are in the conversation. I don't think that any of them are worthy right now of being the first overall pick. So I think Jacksonville's going to end up sitting there. Now, the next great question is, you've drafted defensive ends early over the last few years. Josh Allen's a good football player. Caleb on chase on was a little bit of a reach, but I mean, he was still first round pick only a couple years ago. Are you still going to try to figure it out with him? Do you take the potential best player on the board? And if it is a cave on Thibodeau, do you take Evan Neal? Number one, I think there's a lot of question marks, but unfortunately I don't know if Jacksonville is going to be in a great situation to trade down just because I don't know if there's a quarterback at that top spot that a team's going to be willing to, again, mortgage some draft capital and mortgage a little bit of your, flexibility draft-wise to go up to right now. I really don't see that guy right now. Ryan Pickett, Corral, Willis, Howell, those are the four guys you hear in the first round a lot, and now Strong has declared himself, so he seems like a first, second-round guy. But like We've seen in years where there's not studs. Like We're coming off a year where there was two legit dudes in Lawrence and Fields, and Wilson just worked himself into the conversation. The year before, there was three legit dudes in Herbert, Burrow, and Tua, this is one of those years that's not the case, but we still feel like teams are going to force because none of these guys to me are real first round guys in any other draft. But this year, four may go. You still see guys going top five. Like to me, a, a Kenny Pickett's a nice guy, but this time last year he's a fourth round pick, like third round pick. To see him go top five to me seems like a super stretch. I know teams need quarterbacks, but geez, like to, we've seen when teams force it, it's. That's what it is. Like, just because you need a quarterback, if a guy's not the guy, it doesn't matter what you need. You know, like, if Kenny Pickett's not a starting quarterback in the NFL, it doesn't matter where you, like, what you need. Yeah. Well, I, I would say I think four is the number. I, I think that there are going to be a couple guys that go top 10, top 15, potentially. I think it's going to happen. I don't think it's like the, you know, a lot of people are comparing it to the year that, like, EJ Manuel came out yeah, when he yeah. was the 15th overall pick. Like, I don't, I don't think it's quite that bad. I don't think a guy's, I don't think the first quarterback's going to be the 15th player off the board. Like, I don't, I think that there is going to be one or two guys that are drafted early because the demand will be there. And I think that there is some talent. I just, I think that it's a bit underdeveloped, to be honest with you. And I, but I do think that you, you nailed a few of the names on the head. I think Matt Corral is slam dunk top 50. Like, I, I, I would be very, very, very surprised based on everything I'm hearing. If he makes it out of there, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> it's it's so funny in the draft world, man. Because I watched a couple games. Because obviously he's getting the hype. You know, it's it's great after four years of mediocrity and like, oh, cool. You know, great great jump, right? And I'm like, I watched a couple games. So I'm like, cool, man. Like I can get down with this. I think I put a mid three on him. You know, a third round grade. I'm like, I could I could I can make that happen. I could you know there there is I compare him to Matt Moore that used to play with the Dolphins. Exactly. You know, and I think that he has some parallels. Like he's a good, very good backup. Could spot start for you. Could be a, you know, stopgap quarterback potentially. Like I think that's what Kenny Pickett is. But I, I again, and it, there's going to be a lot of talk, conversation about the hand size with him because, you know, at junior day, he's measured eight and a quarter, which would be, I believe, tied for the smallest quarterback hands that would have ever been drafted ever. Not just like in recent years in the history of the NFL draft. So there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of conversations about it. Um, I do think that he ends up going first round. 
unfortunately <laughs> for him, because I think there's going to be a lot of there's going to be a lot of eyes put unnecessarily on him because I think that he is a kid that should have just been developmental guy and see what he can do and be a good solid backup at worst case scenario. Like I think there's a good floor for Kenny Pickett. I just don't see that type of guy. He's definitely not a franchise mover in my opinion, but those are a couple. Sam Howell's got a shot. He's uh, he's a weird one because he's only a true junior, but he is senior bowl eligible if he chooses to declare. So I imagine he'll be down in Mobile. Carson Strong, like you said, he's got the medical check on the knee. We'll see what that looks like. He's the only guy personally, um, just from my from my perspective. I have a late first round grade on Carson Strong, very late first. That is the only first round grade I have on this quarterback class per- currently, yeah. and I don't see that changing. Uh, I have to I have to finish up how. But otherwise, quarterbacks are pretty much done for me. So it's not a great year, but I still think ultimately we get two very early and we get four in the first round. NFL analyst and uh, draft expert, as you can tell, uh, Ryan Roberts with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby, Jeff DeForest and Mike Luby Lubitz with you on the Believe Podcast Network. Curious to get your opinion on this because it was a subject uh, and uh, topic of uh, rumors that the Miami Dolphins uh, disappointed uh, and maybe disenchanted with Tua. Tango by Aloha earlier in the year. Uh, we're uh, looking to trade for Deshaun Watson. Uh, they were straggering around there at one and seven. And, and it seemed likely that maybe to salvage whatever was left uh, of their uh, push to become a decent organization under Chris Greer and Brian Flores, uh, they might be willing to do that. Would you be willing? I mean, is Deshaun Watson, who we don't know if he's going to even be eligible to play uh, next year, and he hasn't taken a snap this year uh, with the Houston Texans, uh, is he worth like a massive amount of draft capital, in your opinion? Now, we know he's a great quarterback when he plays, but uh, under the circumstances, would you, Ryan Roberts, uh, be willing to risk uh, the two, three first-round picks it probably takes to get this guy on your roster? Not right now. <laughs> I need to be very not, – not right not right this second. I, if everything in a vacuum is, if you're asking me, is Deshaun Watson as a player worthy of two to three first-round picks and a big contract? Absolutely. Like he's one, when he plays football, he is one of the top five quarterbacks in this league right now. And he's still young. I think he's still only 25 years old. So he is absolutely worth that in a vacuum. But with the legal issues the way they are, like you said, we don't know when he's going to play football again. If I would assume probably at some point when everything kind of shakes out, but it's, it's too much for me right now to mortgage my future and to give up that type of capital because I think the worst case is maybe more likely right now because you're just not hearing many updates on it, which makes me very worried, to be honest with you. So um, I, I currently, no, I, I would not touch that deal. I don't think it's worth it um, as a player, absolutely. But with too much situation, like I need to figure this thing out a little bit. I need to kind of see firsthand, you know, what the what the real information is, not just the stuff that's thrown out to the media. I need to kind of have a clear eye on what is the next steps and what is the timeline otherwise you're just you're just gambling at that point so i I personally would not touch that deal right now the fans uh ryan uh, virtually every team that misses the playoffs uh, think that uh, the drafting process of their organization uh, that they uh, root for is bozoic at best and uh you know, that almost anybody could have done a better job. Every franchise has its uh, case of uh, just blatant, maybe uh, franchise-changing mistakes. Many people think that not taking Justin Herbert and instead of Tua was that for the Miami Dolphins, that that set them back like light years in terms of any possibility of advancing, even though uh, Tango Bailoa has played okay 
and uh, has been winning ballgames for them uh, for the last several weeks. Um, who, in your opinion, is really the worst organization <laughs> in terms of their their draft history? I mean, there are certain givens. Uh, you know, you get the number one pick. Uh, okay, you're taking Trevor Lawrence. That doesn't take a genius. But uh, overall, we, we were talking uh, a few uh, Super Bowls back with uh, Anquan Bolden, who, of course, uh, could have been selected by the Miami Dolphins. And instead, uh, Dave Wanstead doomed himself, sabotaged himself by taking a nondescript linebacker who never sniffed the defensive snap named Eddie Moore. And, and, and there are so many blunders of this type that, that you could cite, including all those people that bypassed on Marino uh, when, when he was eligible in the uh, draft in 1983. But who in your experience, Ryan, I mean, uh, who do you look to? If you wanted to find a, an organization to condemn from a drafting standpoint, uh, who stands out in that regard? Uh, I, mean, I, I think the, the team that came <laughs> came to my mind is quickly, and it's more recency bias than it is, you know, long-term scope. Philadelphia Eagles have had some blunders <laughs> the last few years, man. I live right yeah. outside of Philadelphia. And I am, I am fortunately for my sanity, I'm not an Eagles fan, so I just kind of get to observe and just kind of keep it moving. But when you look at some of the things they've done over the last few years, I mean, everybody makes fun of Danny Watkins a few years ago out of Baylor, the 28-year-old fireman. But, I mean, they just drafted a couple years ago Ortega White, uh, J.J. Ortega Whiteside out of Stanford over D.K. Metcalf and Terry McLaurin, which put them into a tailspin to try to figure out their wide receivers so they come back and they take Jalen Rager oh. over Justin Jefferson the next year, you know. So it's, it's not great. And then, you know, that, that same year, and Jalen Hurts, you know, is he the guy? I don't personally think so. You look at some of the guys that were drafted after him, like Jeremy Chin, like that would look like a great piece because your linebackers are not good. They haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round in Philadelphia since 1979. Oh, wow. And they, it's, it's a detriment, to be very honest with you. And I, I just think when you just keep looking at all these selections, even this year, you know, it, it, I don't want to condemn uh, Devonta Smith because I think Devonta Smith's a good wide receiver, 100%, good, good football player. You traded up, though, to 10 when Michael Parsons was sitting on the board. And, again, your linebacker room has been just bad over the last few years. And whether you see Michael Parsons as a full-time edge or as a linebacker, the Eagles, I think, are second in the NFL right now in fewest sacks, you know, um, fewest sacks for their defense because they have guys like Brandon Graham, who is coming off of an Achilles injury. He's going to be 34 years old next year. Josh Sweat, they give a massive deal. He has, like, three sacks. They have Derek Barnett. That's a free agent. So in recent years, I really do think Philadelphia has done a terrible job drafting. Even just the thought process of drafting Jalen Hurts after you gave a year prior, Carson Wentz over a hundred million dollars. Like it's just it's mal it's malpractice for your for your organization. Like, that was not it. It just it was not going to work because you you as soon as you made that pick, you ended the Wentz thing. Like and you just gave him a hundred million dollars. Like it didn't make any sense. So. I've been very vocal about this on my own podcast and just kind of people talking about Howie Roseman's a problem for the Philadelphia Eagles. He absolutely is. He hit, he struck gold one off season in 2017, got him a Super Bowl. That's awesome. Good for him. He struck gold with free agency one full season. Outside of that, his best draft pick that I can think of, if there's any, is they got, they got lucky and drafted Jordan Mailata in the seventh round when he was a pure rugby guy. He had never played American football. So um, I guess close to the situation, but over the last few years, I'd be hard pressed to think of a team outside of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's been much worse, man. Like it's just been miss and miss after miss. And then you're missing on positions again, at like wide receiver where 
The next two wide receivers are Pro Bowl caliber players, and you drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who's a blocking specialist of wide receivers. So it's been very bad for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that was great. You went right to the home team as if Stevie Wonder <laughs> was scouting for him. And, uh, <laughs> that that uh, is worthy of a Mike Tannenbaum award uh, yes. here, here on the show. Uh, Ryan, a pleasure. Uh, I mean, obviously, great stuff. Uh, we'll catch your podcast on Believe and all of your other fine work. Uh, we thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Uh, you can't get enough draft input uh, here in South Florida, where we originate from. So uh, we're, we're hoping that we can call on you many times as we head to, uh, when is it this year? Is it uh, coming up in April? Yeah. We have a little time to think yep, about yep, this. Yep. but uh, End of April. All right. So sounds good. And, uh, and where is it going to be held? Do we know? I mean, uh, a return to Vegas would be nice. I actually am not sure. I actually do not know that one. But, you know, either way, we'll have a few months to figure that one out, I guess, yeah, exactly. right? So. Yeah, well, we want to make our travel plans. I'm going to book a room at Caesars just in case they decide to do the right thing and go back. Uh, th thanks so much, Ryan, for being with us here on After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Yeah, absolutely, fellas. Appreciate you guys again. Be well, man. All right, thanks so much. Went right to the home team, Luby. I love it. As soon as you said, it, what is the most atrocious drafting you've ever seen in your life? He says, well, I live outside of Philadelphia, so let me uh, give you the Eagles, which uh, you would have said uh, Chris Greer and the Miami Dolphins, no doubt, right? Well, I would have said the Bears. I mean, as bad as Greer is, there's actual – people on the team that I could see as tentpole players. The Bears are a disaster. They're like, ru they ruin players. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jacksonville, too. I mean, uh, Jacks, you know, and that's Jacks. the thing. There's a stench over these bad organizations. Why do you keep yep. just prodding them, uh, you know, on uh, to continue the, this inept failure approach by giving them, rewarding their futility but with the top players in the game, potentially. I mean, if they can identify them. But fortunately... And as we've seen throughout history, many times they can't. And or once they get their hands on a guy who is a potential top guy, they ruin him in yep. the immediate, uh, you know, in the present and the, uh, you know, short-term future. And then, you know, they trade him somewhere else and the guy blossoms. Yep. Number two overall in Carson Wentz, you would have to say, was a disaster since uh, even though they won a Super Bowl, uh, that came contract. with an assist. Yeah. At quarterback, and then, uh, you know, they had to give him away for like, what, a fifth-round pick and, and a uh, bag full of footballs. Deflated footballs uh, from the Tom Brady uh, Patriot days. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us uh, today here. Uh, we hope you guys get ready for, uh, you know, a very, very Holiday. festive Christmas Eve. We'll do it again tomorrow on the Believe Podcast. Now we can catch our regular show uh, 7 to 9 in the a.m., and that's uh, on the East Coast time on the I on channel, E-Y-E on channel, or just Google the Defoe Show if you like what you hear here. Uh, you will, uh, you know, I'm sure enjoy the expanded version. I can't guarantee it. I don't make any guarantees. It's not like I'm Joe Willie or something here. I, don't know. I, I think, think we're going to get crushed by the Colts. What I was mean, he supposed to say? Exactly. Geez, what are we doing on the field with him? Shula? Bubba Smith? you got to be kidding me. I don't even know if we show up in Miami. What are we doing Maybe just to eyeball some girls on the beach in uh, scantily clad uh, bikinis. All right. Uh, for Mike Louie Lewis, you guys have a great day, yes, everybody. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow on the Believe Podcast Network with After Hours. Catch us, as I said, on Ion Channel, 7 to 9 Eastern Time, or just Google the Defoe Show. I'm Jeff DeForest for Mike Louie Lewis saying, as we exit this edition of the program, you got to believe. recently we realized it's not just hurricane season that can hurt us any time of year things can happen to your home or business and the insurance company can be your friend but they also can be your enemy horizon public adjusters justina testa are here for you to help this process go so much easier before you call 
the insurance company. Call Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa at 954-809-8752. Would you go into court without an attorney? So why would you go up against an insurance company without Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa? Seven to ten times more money recovered with a public adjuster than if you went on your own. If there's no recovery, there's no fee, give them a call at 954-809-8752. Why go up against insurance companies alone when you can have Horizon Public Adjusters and Justina Testa on your side? Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park. These days, we're all looking for comfort anywhere we can find it. Thank goodness for Landlubbers Raw Bar and Grill in the plantation location because they are making sure you are as comfortable as possible. First of all, they're not only open for delivery and pickup. All you have to do is go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both pickup and free delivery. Their hours have changed a little bit. Monday through Thursday from 3.30 to 10. And Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 11.30 to 10. You're going to have the best wings in the world. You're going to have a great burger. You're going to have... They're amazing soups. Again, Landlubbers, Raw Bar and Grill. It's nice and easy. Just go to landlubbersbarandgrill.com for both your pickup and free delivery. Thank goodness for Landlubbers for making you always feel right at home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.